0: I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5 today, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles there. Uh, Through the years, I've had, um, of course, there's never any lack of advice for uh, whatever difficulty in life you're facing, whatever malady you're going through. And through the years, I've been encouraged by people to, um, let's see, take uh, tart cherry juice, uh, fruit pectin. Uh, Let's see, I think Brother Larry uh, suggested uh, to use liquid plumber. Um, (laughs) Jogging in a jug, you know, um, if those things don't kill you, they they might help you. But uh, today, uh, Nan suggested that I use a cough drop before I I preach, Uh, which reminded me of a story that I read some years ago. A preacher would gauge the length of his Sermon by putting a, a mint in the side of his mouth. And while he was preaching, when that mint would finally dissolve, he would know it's time to quit preaching. And so one Sunday, he's preaching and preaching and preaching, and people start walking out. And finally, when about half the congregation was gone, he felt that that mint was still there, but when he spit it out, it was a button. <laughs> So today, if this works, you can give praise to Nan, and if it doesn't work, then you can blame her for it, okay? (laughs) Brother Donald asked if uh, she was ever uh, engaged in giving me counsel, and uh, I will tell you, yes, she is, And, uh, and quite most often, wise counsel. Enough foolishness. Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers in Christ, encouraging this this church, and there's wonderful, wonderful words of encouragement in uh, his message to this church, which is also for us today. God's word is timeless. Chapter 5, verse 1 begins this way Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. I'm going to stop reading there. We're going to pick up our reading at verse 14. And I'll remind you here that Isaiah the prophet tells us God saw the suffering of his son. God witnessed the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He saw every blow that was given to his darling son. I'm sure he felt every pain that our Lord and Savior went through. He witnessed every every offense every offensive word everything that he went through for us. And the scripture says that he saw it and he was satisfied. God was satisfied that that sacrifice was sufficient, folks, to pay the debt for every man's sin. It was the perfect sacrifice. Now we're here in challenged in God's word as dear children, you know, as little children and little children just cling to their parents and and follow closely. I know you have to watch them, but it's their nature just to stay close to their parents. And I believe that's the the illustration here that Paul is giving to the church, the church members, as dear children, be followers of God. Walk in love and be followers of God. And then in verse 14, he said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, making good use of the time, because the days are evil. We would say that today, folks, and it'd be an understatement, wouldn't it? The days are evil. The Apostle Paul recognized in his time the days were evil. There's evil in the world every day, all day. We need to be careful. And stay close to God. Wherefore be not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves, now listen, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And again, he's writing to the church. He's writing to the church members as a family. And he's encouraging them to be submissive to one another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I hope you're able to see here that Jesus Christ is the example that Paul is using in giving instructions to the wives, giving instructions to the husbands, giving instructions to us as church members of how we ought to behave ourselves toward one another, being submissive to one another, and to give ourselves for one another, for the welfare of the body, even as Christ did for the church. So ought men to love their wives and as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church." For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they two shall become one flesh, shall be one flesh. Not become, but be one flesh. When they're joined together in holy matrimony, they are one flesh. They don't become one flesh. They are at that moment. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. And again, Paul is using the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Jesus Christ, the son of God, the savior of the world, the husband of the bride, which is his church. And he's using that as our example, much like scripture uses the example that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ came here and he walked the runway of human life, modeling for us, detailing for us what the normal human life should be. He set the example. He set the standard. He set the bar, and it's really, really high. But that's our goal, isn't it, brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ? To pursue, God has predetermined, predestined that we should be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the goal for our lives. You and I are not passive in this. We're to be engaged in it and and to pursue that goal. This is a great mystery. It It is a profound mystery, Paul said. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, we're not through. Children, obey your your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor thy father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it might be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'm going to stop reading there at verse 4 in chapter 6. Longer than I normally read. But I needed to read that in order to, to, to set the background for this message today. It's going to be titled, The Nuclear Family. The Nuclear Family. You might not have heard that expression before. I'll admit to you, I had never heard it before a few months ago. I'll I'll explain that in just a few moments. My message today is about the family. I've heard many sermons from these verses before, and the focus is on Jesus Christ and his relationship to the church. I want to tell you today, the greatest, grandest institution in this world is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a privilege, it's an honor and a privilege to even be allowed to be a, a part of that great institution, a part of that work. I think myself, and I think most of us probably take for granted the high calling that God has given to us to be able to participate in this, in this great work of God, Almighty God. Daniel foretells about a kingdom that was to come, that, would, that Jesus Christ, God's son, would, would set up on this earth. that would never end. Never end. That kingdom is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing in comparison to it in all of the earth. You know, I'm thankful for our governments. You know, and there's been times in my life when I've been more thankful than I am now. Uh, I'm sure it might be that way with you. I'm concerned about where we are. I'm concerned about where we're headed. Uh, but, you know, folks, all of us today, we have to own our responsibility and where we are now. We do have to own our responsibility for where our country and our government is now. Um, this is not a, my message, is not about politics today. But we're responsible. Paul is writing here to the church at Ephesus. And the focus, yes, is on Jesus Christ uh, and his relationship to the church as the model example. But he is stressing the importance of our family relationship here. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, children. You know, and our responsibilities to each other. And in the family unit... All of us are responsible to be submissive to one another for the welfare of the human family. I don't know if you all knew this or not. I don't know if you've ever heard this or not, but life ain't about you. You know, we're not, we're not just here for, for, for me. Part of the problem that we're in today is, is this humanistic idea that, that, that man is the king of the world. I remember, uh, seeing Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Titanic standing at the bow of that ship, you know, sailing into the, into the ocean saying, I'm king of the world. I'm king of the world. I've got news. None of us are king of the world. And we're not here to uh, just gather up everything we possibly can and experience everything under the sun that's available to us. We're here for God's purpose. And until we own that responsibility, until we accept it, we're doomed to to failure. We're, We're doomed to destruction. This world is doomed to destruction because of sin. But we're suffering the consequence of sin because we're not pursuing God as ser- seriously as we ought to do. Now, listen, in, in God's Word, uh, you know, there's some 31,000, a little less than 200. Verses in all of scripture. I know that's a lot to take in. God has really filled our plate, hasn't he? With with wonderful words of life and truth. And he challenges us. You know, I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, therefore choose life. That it might be well with you and with your children afterwards. And, And how do we know the way to life? God has given to us the words of eternal life. When Jesus asked his disciples, he had offended some by, by telling them, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And they were offended with that and they went away. And the Lord turned to his disciples and said, Are you going to go away also? And his disciples said, Where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's what this is it's the words of eternal life, isn't it? It's, it's bread. It's bread for the soul, it's life, and it's living water for the soul to feast on, to drink in the wonderful words of God Almighty. And he's given us a lot to take in. Wonderful words of life, like Paul writing to the Philippian church. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and pure and lovely and good, he said, think on these things. In the Old Testament, the Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter four, keep thy heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. In the same chapter, ponder the path of thy feet, let all thy ways be established. And there are verses all through God's word just like that, that just give us common sense instructions about how to live the Christian life, to live a good life, a blessed life. Blessed is the man that will make the Lord his trust. Blessed is the man that will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his word doth he meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree that's planted by the waters that bears fruit in its season and, and, and its leaves will never will never fade. That's, what, that's God's promise to us if we will just feast on and, and seek after God's will and his word in our life. Solomon in Ecclesiastes he said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments because it's the whole duty of man. He's going to bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. And folks, you know, if we just take God's word seriously, I've told this before. I told my son, Ken, I could help you if you just listen to me. A little bit, just listen to me a little bit. And as soon as I said it, I thought, you know, God feels that way about me. He feels that way about us. God could really help us, folks, if we'd listen to Him just a little bit. You know that? I know you know that. The nuclear family. My first encounter with this, um, the the expression has been around since the early 1900s. My first encounter with this expression, the nuclear family, has nothing to do with nuclear physics, nothing to do with nuclear medicine, nothing to do with uh, you know fusion or fission or anything like that. The definition of the nuclear family is this, a family with a mother and a father and children. That's, right. That's what a nuclear family is. My first encounter with the expression, though, is reading it in the Black Lives Matter manifesto. And they made no bones about it that one of their goals in this manifesto was to dismantle the nuclear family. You know this, I don't have to tell you this, but the world has been at war with the nuclear family ever since God created the first one. Satan is the enemy of God, and therefore he's the enemy of the family because it is a creation of God. And Satan, as our enemy like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, and he uses every method, every imaginable thing against us, to destroy, dismantle the human family, to separate us from God. And we need to realize, brothers and sisters, that in the very beginning, Satan found an opening, an inroad into the family when Adam and Eve were not together. The devil approached Eve. Paul refers to as the weaker vessel. I think he's, he's, he's talking in a physical sense. And brothers and sisters, we know you know, if we have any common sense about us at all, we know that the woman physically is the weaker vessel. It's amazing what they're able to do. Don't get me wrong. And I don't mean to demean your, your, your station in life. But it's not possible for a woman to keep up physically with what a man is able to do. But spiritually... Uh, I think a lot of times, in most cases, the man lagged far, far behind women in, in spiritual things. Just my personal observation. But the devil found a, a time when they were not together. Together we are stronger. The Bible says so. Two are better than one. And a threefold cord is hardly broken. Now, in a marriage, you only have two. But in a real godly marriage, you've, you have a man and a woman uh, 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 entwined together with God Almighty. And I want to tell you in, in that relationship, it can hardly be broken if the man and woman are, are where they need to be spiritually with God. But the world is at war with the human family, especially in these later years that we've been living in In our lifetime, brothers and sisters. We've seen a, a, an onslaught of assault against the human family to destroy it, to redefine it, to make it something that it was never intended to be. And we can look at the things that, that have come uh, into our lives. And, and like I said, this war has been going on since the foundation of the world. We'll get to that in just a few moments with God will help me. But, you know, wasn't the telephone an amazing invention? Brother Smith, you might remember. I don't know uh, when, when, it, when it was invented. But, you know, in, in the very beginning when it was a box hanging on the wall. You know, think about this, That that it, it, what a boon to communication it was, that now you could talk to someone across the community without leaving your home. Of course, you were tethered to the wall, you couldn't get away from that, but you know, you could, you could talk to someone across the state, across the country, for heaven's sakes. And wow, what an amazing thing it is. And now with cell phone technology, we can go anywhere we want to go, talk to anybody in the world, any time of the day, and it's amazing. And isn't it amazing what you can do with that little telephone now? What a world of of, of blessing is brought into our life, but what a world of iniquity at the same time. You know, when television came along, radio came along, you know, and that was an amazing thing. You know, people would sit around the radio. I've been reading uh, some books about uh, World War I, World War II, and people just gathered around the radio to listen, you know, to what was going on in the world. And they were fascinated. They were mesmerized by what they were hearing. And it was an amazing thing. And then television came along. And wow, it's just almost unbelievable, isn't it, that you can see these people walking around in that little box? I mean, people scratch their heads in bewilderment. Think, How is that possible? But now we've got it in living color. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, what is it? Uh, widescreen technology. I mean, we've got it going on. My uncle, you get a kick out of this. He was hard of hearing. And he was getting near blind, and he had the biggest television I ever saw in a nursing home, sitting in a reclining chair right in front of this big screen, watching the Daytona 500. It was called, and he was in seventh heaven. And we love our entertainment, don't we? We love our entertainment. Football games, baseball games, uh, auto races, hunting, fishing, you know, uh, ladies, uh, you know, home shopping network and HGTV and all that stuff. We love it. We just love it. And we've got it coming into our lives all the time, along with everything else. Computer technology and then cell phone technology where we've got every vile thing available with just the touch of a screen the touch of a button and it's tempting and it's there I doubt very seriously if there are many eyes or ears here today that haven't seen or heard some of it these are things that the world is throwing at the family um the nuclear family, a husband, a wife, and children, is an endangered species. Right. Our culture has been redefining the family and the, the, the child raising experts, so called, psychologists, psychiatrists, whatever, counselors of every kind, Hollywood, you know, they're, 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 they're teaching our generation that diversified families is is the now thing. You know, family is just whatever you want it to be. But in the beginning, it was not so. And anyone who cares to just take a casual look can see the children growing up in these diversified environments. I'm not going to call them families, diversified environments. They're much more likely to drop out of school to get in trouble with the law, wind up in prison, become alcohol and drug addicts, much more likely to commit suicide. And in spite of the the statistics that are readily available, Hollywood and, and, and the experts are still glamorizing this lifestyle, even though it's detrimental and deadly to our culture and to the human family Amen. in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning God made one man Adam and one woman Eve he brought them two together they didn't have any other choice there was not another man or another woman but they were made for each other God wants us to get that, that message they were made for each other and folks, God just didn't decide after He created the world and everything in it that, 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 that Adam was all by Himself, that it wasn't good for Him to be alone. He didn't just discover that uh, afterwards. He did it intentionally. He did it intentionally for Adam's benefit. He did it intentionally for our benefit. And he took Adam through uh, the the school of the birds and the bees. And Adam saw all the other living creatures, that there was male and female for every one but himself. For, for, For man, there was not found a help meet, a worthy helper for the man. And so God created Eve for him, a perfect match. He brought them together. He joined them together in holy matrimony. You won't find that expression in Scripture, but that's exactly what it is he married them intended for them to live together for the rest of their days to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and that's the only way that it could be that's the only way that it can be now in spite of the lies that people are being taught and here in our lesson in ephesians in the new testament long after that lesson in the book of genesis paul is writing to the church at ephesus And delivering this this message to husbands and wives and, and, and children and reminding them of the blessing and benefit of this nuclear family and how we're to behave towards one another. Yes, you know, men love this verse of scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands. But they forget that in the beginning, Paul said that we all should be submissive to one another. You know how this church is going to to prosper and progress wonderfully and naturally is if we all are submissive to one another in the Lord. Yeah, to love one another, to be concerned about one another. Uh, Paul, I think in another place, he writes that we should esteem other people more highly than we do ourselves. We're challenged in scripture not to think more highly of ourselves than we really should, not to get exalted with pride, but that's exactly what we do. But we're challenged to love one another and submit to one another like Christ did for the church. And what did Christ do for the church? Paul said that he gave his life for the church. He died for the church. Yes he died for the sins of the whole world indeed and every, every person in the world can be saved by the grace of God I love that verse of scripture where Jesus said if I be lifted up from the earth I'll draw all men unto me you know Jesus was lifted up on the cross I'm not telling you anything you don't know am I but did you know that, that because of that, that Jesus Christ literally does draw all men to himself? Some way, somehow, somewhere along people's journey in this world, they are brought to see Christ and him crucified, the Savior of lost humanity. Paul puts it this way, the grace of God that brings salvation appears to all men. God makes a way for everybody. <clears throat> I don't know, Nan. that... That cough drop is wearing out. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Lost friend. This is the most incredible gift that God has given to us. That he sent his son to die for our sins that we can be saved. That we can be gloriously and wonderfully saved, our sins washed away, that we can be made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And if you know in your heart today that you're lost and without God, you need to be saved right now. The Lord, if he's he's stirring your heart right now, if you feel that conviction right now, you need to seek the Lord and know him as Lord and Savior. He's going to make a way for every soul to know that message. He's been lifted up. And every soul will see him somehow, sufficiently to save their soul if they'll receive the message. Wives, yes, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord because it's right. Husbands, love your wives and and sacrifice. You give yourself for your wife, for your family. We work together to accomplish God's will. And children, you should obey your parents in the Lord because it is right. And it is a commandment that God has given to us. And it's connected with a promise that we'll live long on the earth if we'll keep the commandments of the Lord. You know, growing up, young families... Sometime in our life, you know, we we need to put the phones away, we need to turn the televisions off, Uh, shut down the computers, get out our family Bibles. I hope you have one. You know, out here in the vestibule, there's a large family Bible laying on that uh, credenza. I think that's what they call it. Uh, There, that large Bible, it's called a family Bible. They're not as common as they used to be, not as popular, certainly. But the Bible, God's Word, ought to be popular and common in our families. And for all of us to take time in our daily lives to read God's Word, to know these precious truths that God's Word reveals to us and how we're going to be blessed if we'll hear and know and do God's will. Fathers, and I think this applies to mothers too, parents, don't provoke your children to wrath. Love them. Cherish them. Nurture them. Raise them and discipline them in God's word. Every day, every day we're bombarded with ungodly um, communications of every kind. It's just the world that we're living in. Nan was showing me this morning something that that, that she had, had found, you know, in one of the school systems around the world. Ungodly books in the school library. You wonder how in the world they ever got there, but they did. And it's not an uncommon thing. Not an uncommon thing. We need to watch. We are to keep our heart with all diligence. We're to ponder the path of our feet. You know, it's just like Jeremiah said that we should stand in the ways and see. You know, just just take a, a, a long, hard look at all the things going on in the world and choose the way that we should go carefully. Yesterday, Brother Harold and I, we stopped in to see Elvis Presley. Um... On our way back from riding our motorcycles, um, we saw an amazing little film about Elvis Presley's boyhood life in the church that he went to. And and they said that Elvis Presley's goal in life as a little boy growing up was to be a gospel singer. That's where he learned to play the guitar. That's where he first started singing was in in church, the, the, the pastor Uh, The preacher at the church played the guitar and helped Elvis to learn to play the guitar. And that was his goal as a young child, was to grow up and become a gospel singer. Elvis Presley could sing gospel music like nobody could sing gospel music. But somewhere along the way, Elvis lost his way. I sat there watching that film and wondered, I wonder what would have happened if Elvis had stuck to that pathway and had grown up to become not the king of rock and roll, but the king of gospel music. The whole world knows who Elvis Presley is. He's well-known around the world, and and people still love his music. But what an impact it would have made on this world had he become the king of gospel music. And how many people's lives would would have been changed gloriously and wonderfully changed by him pursuing that, that goal you know what folks that concept is, is not not different for us either the choices that we make in life they have eternal consequences benefits you know Set our goal on following Jesus. Loving Him and and giving ourselves for Him and giving ourselves for one another. That's what the nuclear family is about. I don't know if you do now have family devotions together. If you don't, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to start. I've said this many times. i I've witnessed old people get saved. Praise the Lord. You can get saved when you're old. Never forgotten Jim Augustine sitting right there, just this big husky Polish man, rough around the edges, just sitting there weeping like a baby and giving his heart to the Lord. You can get saved when you're old and it's never too late to seek the Lord. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's how you finish. You know, the thief on the cross didn't start out too good. But he finished well, realizing that his life was almost gone, but there was hope in Jesus. And what a witness we have in his dying hour that he gave his life to Christ. To all of you today, I want to encourage you and challenge you. The nuclear family is an endangered species, all right. Our children are endangered every day by the things that they face in this life, far more than was when I was a kid. I'll admit that. We should have recognized that a long time ago with all the stuff that's been hurled at us. Seek God with all your heart, brothers and sisters. Love him. Devote yourself to him. And today as I close, Adam, if you'll come on, What's your goal in life? What is your goal in life? We set lots of goals. Sometimes, and it's not unusual for our goals to change as we age. But the number one goal that you should set for yourself is to know the Lord as your your Lord and Savior to have him in the, in the center, center of your life and to live for him. You know, it, it may not be popular in, in today's culture, but I promise you it's just as profitable today as it's ever been. If you hope to live with Christ in glory, to live forever in peace and, and joy, seek the Lord now. Call on him while he is near. If he's if he stirred your heart at all, Seek him with all your heart. Know him as Lord and Savior before you leave this building today. You can. You can. While we stand together and sing, I I love you. Uh, I I thank you for listening to me today. Uh, I pray the message will be helpful to all of you. But lost friend, seek the Lord, please. Give your heart to him. Know him today. While we sing. Number 109.